Today's episode is sponsored by Expectful, a guided meditation and mindfulness app for your fertility, pregnancy, and motherhood journey. It's easy and fun to use as well as affordable. And did you know that science shows meditation can reduce anxiety and improve your relationships? Head to expectful.com slash motherbirth for an exclusive one month free trial just for motherbirth listeners. We believe that not just babies are born, mothers are born too. We're your hosts, Lara, a labor and delivery nurse and aspiring midwife, and Melissa, a mother and doula. Welcome to Motherbirth, a space for thought-provoking and inspirational conversations about birth and the deep exploration of what it means to become a mother. Hey everybody, thank you for joining us today on Motherbirth. Melissa and I are really excited today to have not one but two guests of moms. Um, Carrie and Janny are here with us today. They uh, work in my favorite industry, the food industry. Um, they own a couple of businesses that people in Portland especially would note. Um, they started Feast Portland, which is one of my favorite events in Portland. And they also do um, all kinds of marketing and social media and brand for a company, Little Green Pickle, they own. You want to tell us a little bit more about yourselves? Jenny, would you like to start? Um, I am the web side of Little Green Pickle and Feast Portland. Uh, mainly IT, because that's fun. We call her the Swiss Army knife because <laughs> yes. she fixes everything. <laughs> yeah, already um, apparent in this in this room today. Yeah. <laughs> um, worked in the web industry for 20 years uh, doing websites and then worked in a kitchen, professional kitchen, for two and a half years um, and then wanted to be Carrie's assistant. That's so not true, but <laughs> you're actually a really bad personal assistant. <laughs> I know. get my schedule wrong every day. You're welcome. She goes, don't you have a big interview today? I'm like, what? That's tomorrow. <laughs> That's really good to know. I'm going to shred your application. Okay, great. Carrie? Um, I'm Carrie. And uh, so Janie and I met at the Food Network um, back a long, long time ago in a galaxy far away. And um, we decided to eventually leave New York City and start two businesses together here in Portland However, our, that business was originally supposed to be a restaurant, um, mm. which is why Janie cooked in a kitchen for two and a half years. And I served in a restaurant for three whole months mm. and You're realized I was a terrible, terrible server. I couldn't carry six <laughs> glasses on a tray. I couldn't calculate my own tip. I was that server that like needed a void on every single bill. <laughs> if you've ever worked in the restaurant industry, you know yeah. me. Yeah. I'm the one that's kind of taking up all the time and causing all the trouble. You're the one that lasts about three months. Exactly. Yeah. And then I, I realized uh, my uh, mistake. And um, I said to them, I said, would would you let me do your PR instead? Because that's what I'm a trained publicist. Like that's what I did for 10 years at the Food Network. And they're like, great, as long as you're not near our private dining room anymore, like we're fine with <laughs> With whatever you want to do. <laughs> so I convinced Jannie to stop cooking and she had said that she wanted to stop cleaning floors, you know, because cooking involves a lot more than just cooking. And uh, then we started Little Green Pickle together. So, mm-hmm. um, and then, at, you know, same time, because we're two New Yorkers who don't have enough to do, we started Feast Portland. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. how it goes. You have to like bring the big game to Portland. I we appreciate that. Yeah. I think that's what we originally thought. And now we're like, we just want to slow down. We just want to sleep. Live that sleep? Portland lifestyle. <laughs> so yeah, no, no more sleep anymore, obviously. Yeah, right. So you've been together for how long? 12 years. 12 years. Okay. She always gets it wrong. So she would have said 10. <laughs> I don't know what well, you're talking about. you answered. <laughs> yeah, she's just keeping you guys young. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So how did you guys start the conversation about having children and what did that look like? How did we start it, Janie? 
I don't know. We always wanted kids. We um, knew that. You know, we first got married probably five years after we met. Mm-hmm. And then we knew we were going to have a kid after we started, after we moved to Portland. Mm. Um, and so basically kind of at the same time we started Feast Portland and Little Green Pickle, we actually started trying. Um, I was 35 Five. at yeah. the time. So I didn't want to waste any more time because, right. you know, all of those OBGYNs are like, oh, you t- biological clock. I'm like, oh, great. Thanks. No yeah. pressure. Um, no pressure. Um, so that's when I started doing IUIs and all that stuff and, and doing that lesbianic thing because we have no choice. And God damn it, sperm is really expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody tells you about all that stuff. It doesn't right. happen overnight, just like all the other motherhood things that we'll be talking about today. Yeah. Um, I actually had a total of 10 IUIs and two IVFs. Wow. All failed, sadly. Like, this is probably TMI, but literally both IVFs, I I call myself an actual true lesbian because they injected the sperm directly into the egg and the egg just kind of disintegrated. No, (laughs) no, no. Twice. (laughs) The doctors were so sad. They're like, your eggs just literally (laughs) fell apart. Like it was, so yeah, it was pretty definitive, although pretty devastating at the same time. Yeah, I'm sure. It's something you can laugh about now, but I'm sure at the time you were not laughing. Yeah, it's taken a couple of years. Yeah, so 10 failed IUIs and two failed IVFs over the course of how long? A year, maybe a year and a half. Well, so was it two years the total? first six IUIs, I think we did, or seven IUIs. That was a long time. At 35. And then after we had Taylor, that's when I tried again. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So um, we actually, I, so we originally thought there was, we were trying to do a mixed baby. So it'd be half Asian, half white. Mm-hmm. So it was a Caucasian donor. Um, but we had one, two left. Yeah. Um, so we decided since my ex before me doing IVF, let's see if Carrie's a viable, you know, try like a whole like carrier. Yeah. I don't know what yeah, you say. I guess I'm hoping <laughs> that Carrie can eggs. get pregnant. It makes it sound yes. like a parasite, yeah. but <laughs> like host. Host, yes, yeah. you're, yeah. you're a suitable host. Right. So, so wait, let's just back up. So it was 2011. Or 12 by the time we were starting to try with me. Because you needed yeah. a break, yeah. too. Like, that's the other yeah. thing. Like, the fertility process. Anybody who's gone so through that exhausting. knows that it's just it's exhausting mentally, emotionally, physically. Yeah. So, Janie was just kind of like, why don't we just try with you real quick and just see. And because uh, and obviously, we weren't expecting, like, it to be positive because mm-hmm. of how many times Janie had already tried. And we figured it would probably be the same for me. And then the second try, we got pregnant with Taylor. Wow. Yeah. For, so, so on my side. So huge shift from the original plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because was mm-hmm. that always how you talked about it, that you would mm-hmm. be the one who would get mm-hmm. pregnant? Yeah. We always thought Janie would go first because she's a whole she's a whole year older than me. So mm, she always yeah. tells that's me it. that I'll understand when I'm, quote, her age. Yeah. I'm right. 40. You're 39. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I'll understand But you guys year. had always... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, but you guys had always discussed maybe alternating pregnancies or both of you trying to become pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. We had um, always thought that, you know, we're both women. So we both wanted to see what it was Mm -hmm. like to be pregnant. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So then, uh, so all of a sudden kind of in the middle of Janie's process, we had Taylor, you know, if you think about it that way. Because then when we came out of the kind of like first year of Taylor being, you know, alive and wonderful and a miracle and amazing, Mm -hmm. we tried again. And that's when the IVFs happened and and weren't successful. So, yeah. Yeah. Just kind of had to know whether I could actually have children or not. Right. Just that 
back yeah. of the mind thing. Yeah. We didn't want to wonder. I mean, yeah. I didn't want her to wonder and then like right. resent later, like not having tried. So, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. So you're suddenly pregnant. I mean, not unexpectedly in the sense of that it was like. It wasn't like an oops, but <laughs> right. kind of. You were trying, but yeah. you weren't expecting it to necessarily succeed yeah. or at least so quickly. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel? You, you, you know, you take the test. Do you take a home test? Are you taking a test at the clinic? Mm. What's that moment like? It is um, interesting to think about it now because we're trying again right now. Mm. And so like that whole like kind of process is, is very immediate for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we... We inseminated and then it's like the two week wait, you know, which is the most horrifying thing like ever just to try to not think about a potential life changing moment potentially happening, but then also preparing yourself for also the potential disappointment of it not happening. I don't know. So um, the when we got the pregnancy test, I had tested on the 14th day and it was negative. And I was just like, oh, whatever, preparing myself for like that wave of crushing disappointment. And, um, but then my vagina like exploded Oh, just for I'm lack of a better way to say it. Like I just, I was in the shower and I was like, oh my God, Jenny, something is up. Like, cause it just, it was like so full and like big and I made her look at it. Oh I was God. like, can you just like check out what's happening? <laughs> I was, I was you so. Have a vagina tummy. Is this normal? It was so not normal for, <laughs> yeah. for me. And I was just like, I was like scared. I was like, I thought something was wrong you yeah. know and I was like oh my god Jeannie I think I'm pregnant because this is just totally out of the norm like this yeah. is something entirely different so then we tested again and it was positive and so we it was like really flipped a sensation out. yeah yeah it was yeah it was just like I felt like I was holding it in my hand it was like wow it was like nothing I'd ever felt before I would like to confirm it was large <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of scary it's kind of scary <laughs> So then we like we texted everybody like in our immediate family. Obviously, you don't want to like get yeah. ahead of yourself a little bit. But um, and then you go. So I took the home pregnancy test and then our we were at OHSU here in Portland and we love our doctors there. The fertility doctor, our, our doctor, Dr. Diana Wu is a brilliant, leading, cutting-edge genius when it comes to this stuff. And mm-hmm. she does a lot of LGBT um, clients, so yeah. patients. And so we um, went in for the pregnancy test there. They confirmed it. And then they also start your blood tests um, kind of immediately to make sure that your, um, I don't know, all the estrogens and the things are going up the way that right. they should. So then yeah. we were kind of off to the races. Yeah. And I was kind of right into um, morning sickness. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. it wasn't long. So you got the full meal deal. I did. Yeah, I got it. I just felt like I was underwater. That was the best yeah. way I could put it. It wasn't – I didn't actually vomit. I, I was, like, nauseous, but, like, like I was on a boat nauseous. Mm-hmm. So um, for three months. So that was good. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. man, I would take – I'll take that all day long. Well, man, I don't want to totally jinx myself, but – if we were to be able to be pregnant again, I would take all that and then some. You yeah. know, I would take like uh, Princess. What does she have? Catherine? Is it? Uh, uh, she has the, yeah, the yeah. worst morning sickness Hyper- ever. Oh, yeah, actual, I would take that. What's the What's the term, Laura? Oh, it's so bad. She's hyperemesis. Yeah. Hyperemesis. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I would. I would do that. Yeah. We could do it again. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's I love that perspective. So, Janie, all of a sudden, Carrie's pregnant, and you've already been trying for a while. How does this feel? Are you feeling, I mean, I'm sh- obviously you're excited, but is, are there any other emotions at play? Are you feeling any sense of, you know, jealousy or disappointment that it didn't work for you? How, what's kind of going on for you at this point? I mean, I don't know if I would say jealous. I was a little sad for myself, but mm-hmm. I, I was so excited yeah. about her being pregnant. Like it didn't matter. 
good. Yeah. And to me, like, it was just a matter of just having a child together. It really yeah. didn't matter whether it came out of me or her or if the donor was Asian or Caucasian. Like, yeah. it was just awesome and it was beautiful. And then I was dealing with her hormones. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> you know. just, that, just that. I, I, do. Was, I was not easy. <laughs> I was not easy pregnant. No, you were great, honey. You were great. Yeah, you're still traumatized. <laughs> Um, so, okay, so I want to back up a little bit to how you chose the donor. You had mentioned that when when you were going to be um, the host. <laughs> that, Let's just keep using we'll it. Just Let's keep just keep using it. I mean, it's, I not, it it's not not working. It's not going right? to offend maybe, anybody. Maybe we're going to okay. start a new term. Like, just, I'm just going to write a book, The Host. The oh Host, exactly. Which one? So good. <laughs> So you were you were going to use a, a Caucasian donor at that time because you are Asian, and so had you made? Were there any other factors in choosing um, the donor, and did you make any changes when you, Carrie, were going to um, be the host? I think we had these just grand plans. If you think about <laughs> how we thought it was all going to work out, right? And there's so much that you think you can control in this process, and there is. To a point, because like we were talking about, there's no oops moment for lesbians. There's no like, oh, my God, we got pregnant out of nowhere. Like yeah. if that does happen, there's something wrong in your relationship, you know. Right. But so for us, it's like it's so carefully planned that sometimes the sperm can feel like shoe shopping in a way. Yeah. And and, mm-hmm. and that's kind of great because you're like, we want a Taiwanese Chinese donor. We want him to be over six feet tall. We want him to be smart and be into math, but also creative and into music. And mm-hmm. all those attributes are like clickable on, a, on right. the California Cryobank website where we have bought all of our sperm. But um, it comes down to really simple things. It comes down to the audio recording. That's oh. That's been our number one factor. And it's really? what we recommended to all of our lesbian friends to really listen to what those men's voices sound like because you can you can tell if they sound like a total a-hole like you really can you can (laughs) you can like we just nixed like 60 men like just oh no that guy sounds like a douchebag like that guy sounds sounds, like in his mom's basement yeah Yeah. sounds arrogant sounds um like just too full of himself Mm -hmm. or yeah I mean, and granted, these guys are almost like the donation was like a form of voyeurism. It or really is. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you get to know yeah. someone without knowing them at all. Like yeah. you, you get their baby pictures, you get celebrity lookalike pictures, you get everything except for what they look like today and their name. And you get their medical history of everyone and their grandparents. And probably I always joke that I know more about the donor than I do Janie. In terms of medical history, you know, because yeah. I don't have Janie's aunt's medical history, you right. know, but we have his. And so it's just an interesting process because I think we thought it was going to be easier than it was. Mm-hmm. And we also thought that it would be, be like, OK, there's the Asian donor for you and then the white donor for me. And like we'll call it a day. Yeah. And that's not how it worked out because yeah. we had a super white baby instead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Janie even called him that for the first year of his life. So... <laughs> Hashtag super white baby. You can look it up. <laughs> it's in it's in the Instagram archives. It is. And it was so inappropriate. But so inappropriate. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if you felt the same way about the process. Yeah. I mean, it was just kind of crazy. Add to cart, find out if he has his PhD, if he's a grad student, like yeah. what is he a good stick figure drawer? Yeah. Our, yeah. Ours was called stick figure master. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Sense of humor. So the current donor mm-hmm. that we found 
is Asian. So we're trying with me again. Yeah. And an Asian donor who is, um, I think he's Taiwan. They put He's him. basically a male version of me. Hmm. It's kind of scary. And and in the like racist category, they put <laughs> Taiwanese and Chinese together in the same category. So it's kind of like Taiwanese or Chinese, kind of not sure. No one knows. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so we found a guy that has Janie's sense of humor, her taste in movies, all that kind of stuff. So we went all in with him and bought three more that we've been trying with right now. Hmm. So. Yeah, it's an interesting. Pro- I, I I thought it would be so much more um, exacting than it is. Yeah, it's based on feel. Yeah, totally mm-hmm. thought we were going to get pregnant on the first try. Oh, yeah. that too. That yeah, too. I mean, yeah, nobody tells you that we'd be here like five years later, still talking yeah. about it, still trying. So, right. Yeah. Right. But that's life. So you're trying again, and how many? What? How many tries are you on right now? I'm on. This is number five. Okay. Yes, and that's since Taylor. So. Okay. Um, which isn't a lot. If you think about it, it's like having sex five times, like right. total, right. you know, whereas like if we were a heterosexual couple, we would do that in like a day. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like the odds are just not exactly in our favor. Yeah. But um, they put me on Clomid last cycle and this cycle. So I, that was a super fun ride for Janie because that's kind of like pregnancy type hormone time. Oh, right. you are great. You're <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like 100 milligrams of Clomid, you feel it. You're just yeah. like walking around in like quicksand for a couple yeah. weeks. So, um, but we'll see. Um, we actually inseminated yesterday. So we'll see if it's successful. Yeah. Yeah. So this time it is taking longer than it took with Taylor. But like you said, still, I mean, like, yeah, it's just kind of like, I, yeah. I just view it as odds um, mm-hmm. because it's uh, so when we we had Taylor and we waited. We tried again with Jani. Mm-hmm. There's been like six month time periods where we haven't done anything too. Yeah. So that's yeah. why this is stretched over such a long period of time. Um, I tried again last year, last summer um, and got pregnant, but then miscarried too. Mm. So it's been quite a wild ride. Like Jani and I have feel like we've kind of done it all in a lot of ways because yeah. um, we've done IVFs. We've seen what uh, my miscarriage was also like two weeks in. So it wasn't super yeah. long and as difficult as other women that we know. So it's still devastating. But it was still again, devastating. devastating yeah. You may not have gotten as far into the pregnancy and had as much like attachment to this specific Mm -hmm. baby but you are still in this process that is like you're like you're talking about taking a huge toll on you there's so many questions about what's going to be possible what the outcome is going to be and that is just like a huge layer of you know of devastation and uncertainty yeah and to feel like you've crossed a finish line of sorts and then to not only not cross that finish line but then have to deal with something that was probably one of the more devastating thing that's going to happen to you in your life, you know, just to know that that life isn't continuing. Mm -hmm. It was really um, difficult. I said to Janie, I'm like, I don't want to have a miscarriage. Like you just have that visceral (laughs) feeling of like, I don't want this to happen in my body. I want it to be successful. But I just, you know, the doctors were really reassuring and they were like, you know what, it's um, it was one of those um, where the chromosomes didn't work the way Mm -hmm. that they were supposed to. And your body decides and just lets it go. So I had to let it go, too. It took me took me longer than I thought it did. I I thought I was over it, over it, whatever that means um, a few months later. And I wasn't. So Mm -hmm. um, so that's when you took one of the breaks. Yeah. Yeah. I took a break last September through January this year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a few months. Um. And some long walks on the beach later, you know, you get yeah. back on the horse and, and you're yeah. ready to get, try again. And I also wanted to try again when it was sort of right feeling. I don't want to try when I'm sad, you yeah. know, because then it's not going to work. I mean, yeah. one thing that we are trying to do, at least try to time it so she doesn't have a baby during feast, which is in September. That makes sense. Right. Yep. Although I feel right. like... Here every, we are again. I mean, she had Taylor two weeks before feast happened. 
uh, when he was born. So that was fun. Yeah. And well, I feel I, like. And then I went, you know, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I feel like the way you guys even start when you started trying, you said you started your two businesses at the same time. I feel like almost like your decision making was we were like, I don't know if we're tired enough. Are we tired enough? <laughs> But we talk about this and we've heard from so many women on the show that, you know, even just the, I mean, you're in the season of motherhood, you're in this season of wanting to build your family. It's such a creative time mm, it totally and is. you are literally yeah. creating. And then as you're watching your baby grow and evolve and change, I think it spurs you into that. And so it's not surprising in that way that I think like, yeah. Of course, you'll probably just get pregnant and have a baby during feast because you know you have to create during your most creative. I know. I yeah. think that's a really nice. Both of your babies have to be born at the same time. I yeah. think you're totally right because I've had the the best like brainstorms and ideas, like while pregnant and after Taylor even too. Like I just yeah. felt like my brain was exploding in the best way. Yeah. Well, we did an episode a couple months ago with um, a lady down in Australia who is she's she's a yoga practitioner and a childbirth educator and she's getting. Um, doing this like shamanic um, like woman craft training thing and she she was kind of the first one I felt that for me anyways put language to that that idea that you know the the motherhood season is the most creative time of your life and I just had never really put that together I felt like I had sort of felt like at odds with that concept in the sense that it was something I was like almost trying to undo or un like detach from. And and the truth is, is that both times I've had my kids, I have like the season of being pregnant and the season after that have been like, I just, I mean, I wake up in the night with ideas mm-hmm. and I can't stop, you know, thinking and creating and, and not that it, not that it like has gone away entirely over time, but like, you know, I noticed maybe like four or five years after my son was born, you know, it had kind of like tapered off and I was a little more just like, relaxed and then my daughter was born a few months ago and I'm just like back in yeah I'm just back in it it's it's actually it's such a cool way to think about it and you have to find that balance because it's easy to then overextend yourself but it's it's it is a really beautiful way to think about it I think it's nice for women to think of it that way and not that like oh my gosh I'm so harried and it's stressful and you've got one kid on one hip and the other's tugging at your shirt and that and that those are all like bad things right I think it's such a great thing that you're busy you're active there's a whole lot going on it's overwhelming no doubt but why not lean into that a little bit and sort of um, say, okay, during nap time, I'm going to just try to do something totally different that I've never done before. Because why not? I'm jumping off 5,000 cliffs as a mom anyway. Right. I used to tell myself, Jenny um, went back to work before I did. I stayed home for the first three months after Taylor was born. And um, I just kept going, no fear, no fear, Carrie, no way. You can't be afraid of anything right mm. now. You're, you have to cut his little teeny tiny fingernails and that's yeah. really hard and they don't tell you about that and yeah. you you cut him one time and it bled a little bit and that was horrifying I was angry at you <laughs> like and he yeah and he looks at you like what are you doing but it's like you can't have any fear about like the big or the small yeah. so why would you be worried about having fear about business yeah you know yeah well and along alongside this concept of you know sort of this this burgeoning creativity during that time is also this sense that I have felt, which is that your, your capacity is increased during that time. And so, like you said, yes, you Mm -hmm. can handle more like, yeah, we, you know, and and again, you have to find balance, but you know, it's, it's easy to paint that picture of like the harried overstressed mom who just has way too many balls in the air. And the truth is, is that that's, that's the time of your life where that's going to be going on anyways. Like Mm -hmm. you have, you have young children and that's, that's the energy you're operating from 
24-7 anyways. Like, your capacity is through the roof. Yep. You know? You can't turn it off. Yeah, you really can't. I do feel like New York has kind but of... But I do. I think it's so... No, sorry. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, it's so perpetuated by our culture and the images projected of women, whether it's working or engaged women in their life, though. I was listening to... I talked about this last week. The longest, shortest time is doing a podcast about working women. And if you Google working woman, it's a woman with like her hair's disheveled, her glasses are barely on, her top's like smudged and messy, and there's like a kid on her hip. And if you Google like working dad, it's like a dad with a kid on his shoulders and like a business suit looking like he's like ready to take over the world. Yeah. And it's like we we ha- we are the women who change those perceptions of like kind of that leaning in, that creativity, like the beauty that comes from like a new season of motherhood, yeah. whether you stay at home or work. And yeah. I feel like, you know, in y'all's circumstance, it's like, you know, like you said, so Janny went back to work. How long did you take off? I took three months. What were you going to say, Janie? You were still working still. I, yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's, yeah, it's like modern home. modern mom, like, you know, owning yeah. own business. Like, I wasn't in the office, but I was answering emails and writing yeah. and working. Yeah. working. Sure. We also took Taylor to meetings. We yeah. know. Poor Taylor. <laughs> and a baby Bjorn. <laughs> Taylor spent more time in a baby Bjorn and a baby carrier, like, in meetings, like, downtown yeah. Yeah. than, you yeah. know, probably. I You know, if I did, when if we get to do it again and if I had to do it again, I would um, do less um, yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably will. Yeah. Yeah. And because I think that what we were trying to prove was we're back. We're still here. We're still who we were. You can still count on us. You yeah. know, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have clients and you have people that you need to kind of yep. like reassure and please a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that we just set expectations differently next time yep. and say, um, we're out. <laughs> we'll see you in three months, you yep, know, totally. and because and, people do respect it. And anybody who's had kids knows what you're trying to do. Yep. Um, and that's more important than, than a meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people really do respect it. And the random ones that don't like... You Fine. don't really need their respect anyways, yeah. you know, and and I think you will probably, you know, you're, you'll still be like, you know, working moms who have your own business. And so there will be things that there's just no way to shut them out entirely. But you will you will probably set things up a little differently next time. I definitely felt the same thing. I was like I had my son in a carrier at a home inspection when he was three weeks old. And, you know, I was doing the same exact thing. And when Etni was born, I, it was I was definitely a lot more guarded about our time and. And just like the stuff we were willing to commit to. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I think you have to um, do it yourself and figure out what you yep. want to do. Do you remember how mad I used to get at you when you were working when I was pregnant? <laughs> that I, w- I attribute that to hormones. Oh, that's nice. Because basically you would cry. And, and I will tell all cry. partners, all partners. I cried every day. <laughs> literally, I made her cry every day and I told everybody about it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I tell this to everybody. And I told this recently to another couple, just wait five minutes, take the heat, and then she will love you right after. Yeah, because yeah, it just Cause swings right back. It really does. Because then she'd be like, hey, where are you going? I love you. I'm right. like, okay, I'll, uh, I'll come back. Grab me a burrito. I'm kind of scared, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know you were so patient, but I feel like I was worried. I was really worried about like the cliff that I felt was happening when we were about to have Taylor, where... I just didn't know what the other side looked like. And mm-hmm. it's, I think that that's some, a very scary time that people don't really talk about that. You're like, OK, I'm going to have birth. That's going to happen. And I have no idea what that's going to be like, even mm-hmm. though I've, I read all the books and all the, you know, differing opinions about what you should or shouldn't do. And I just don't know what my life is going to look like after this. And yeah. I'm scared that it's going to be different and I'm not going to get myself back the way mm-hmm. I was. And what I found, obviously, which like a lot of moms found, and what I think what both of us found is that you're you are different, but yeah. you're still the same. 
Yeah. You know, there's still that you're not at Janie's Janie and Carrie's Carrie, but we're moms now mm-hmm. and um, we're going to run our business. We're going to reprioritize differently. We might not be around in the office as much like we were crazy New Yorkers who showed up at 830 and left at 730. Yeah. That's not doable anymore. Right. But we'll still be on email until <laughs> yes. like 10 o'clock at night. Well, you know, that, it's fine. We try to even stop. Um, yeah, working. but that's why I was getting mad at you because I was worried that Janie wasn't going to be able to stop working. Yeah. And I was putting all my fears on her right. about both of us. And mm-hmm. and turns out it's fine. You know, well, yeah. one of us still had to work <laughs> while the other one wasn't. I know you were like, taking the brunt of yeah. client meetings and things during yeah. that time. It was not easy. And, and she didn't want to leave the house. You know, she Taylor mm-hmm. is ours. He's not. He might have come out of me, but he has so many attributes that are Janie. <laughs> and we... Because we raise him so fully together, Taylor has two moms who jump in his toddler bed with him every single morning. <laughs> mm-hmm. Every Could you imagine this growing up? Like every morning you have two moms next to your head being like, I love you, I love you, I love you. Good morning, good morning, good morning. <laughs> That's how he wakes up every day. Yeah. And he expects now, it's funny, three years later, he expects mommy and mama at all times. Like yeah. when one of us isn't around, he's like, where's mama? Where's yeah. mama? Come on, you have to come too. You know, yeah. so it's, it's pretty sweet. We do it all together to the point of like, People think we're weird, but that's fine. But no, we've always sounds, been weird, so. Yeah. <laughs> sounds great. I mean, you'll have, you'll, like, there will be things that will shift over time, and and he'll obviously learn that, like, you're that's not okay. both always there. But <laughs> yeah. that's, yeah, you've, it sounds like you've just really focused on, on building that really strong family, yeah. you know, bond and attachment. Yeah. I think yeah. that's one of the differences nowadays, because whether you're a male or fem- and female together or two males or two women, like, the relationship between the two of you, like everyone helps together now. Everybody's either mm-hmm. working because you almost need dual income at this point to like survive in America. Um, you've got the dad helping out at, at preschool. I, we see oh, so, so many, dads many dads dropping drop off, off yeah. instead and, and, and we never see the moms like even at mm-hmm. pickup. And I think it's awesome. It's it's all about being a great partnership and, and love. Yeah. And even in our families, like the dads cook. You know, like our um, my sister and her husband, like mm-hmm. my sister doesn't cook at all. Like she never. <laughs> you she, and your she, sister. <laughs> um, we don't know how to use the stove in my family. But yeah, um, she but I just think it's really interesting because they share the load as equally as we do. And it's just really funny when you get somebody that comes into our world that isn't like that, that updated gender role. They're thoroughly confused because there's no there's no like out. Yeah. There's no like men get to sit on the couch and like drink beer. Right. The men do the dishes if they're right. not cooking. Like that's just the way it works in our house. Right. So and you're setting that precedent mm-hmm. just just by the way you do life. And that's not like two women are always going to do it. You know, there's not like mm-hmm. like Janie's not going to like sit on the couch and like watch me do the dishes. You know what I mean? That's just not it's not in us <laughs> to do it that it, way. But, yeah. No. Unless yeah. I force her. I'm like, Janie, you cook. No, I will do the dishes. You know, like yeah. so it's you, there's always like a helpful kind of um, moment that we have with each other. And I think it's a, a wonderful example for Taylor because like he's not off the hook. Like he's three and he feeds the dog every morning. You mm-hmm. know, like everybody yeah. contributes. This is a family. We're all we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. Do you find that there are any ways that your roles as moms have diverged or that, you know, either of you have have sort of taken on certain, whether it's like actual, you know, duties, quote unquote, or just sort of like the energy or relationship that you have with Taylor? It's definitely, it, I mean, I feel like it changes every day now with yeah. the, the three. What do you think? 
Yeah, I don't know. The discipline just, is interesting. Oh, well, sometimes we have to have meetings before the discipline. <laughs> yeah. Watching each other discipline just makes us laugh because I'm oh. just like, oh, is that what we're doing? We're, oh, okay. okay. Yeah, she laughed at me the other day because I was trying to discipline him. And apparently she told me later that she had to go in another room because she was cracking up at me. Thanks. Love you. Because <laughs> like sometimes the discipline starts to sound like how we discipline our dog for like a hot second where it's like, let's go. And I'm yeah. just like, oh my gosh, she never uses that tone of voice. Like, and it's yeah. when it comes out, you know, so with Taylor, no one raises their voices in our house like it just doesn't happen like we're we're of the the disciplined mind of you know if you can speak to him and gently kind of you know a, a quiet voice is more effective than a loud voice yeah. where you know if Taylor's freaking out about something we kind of let him you know with the three-year-old's like tantrum has to almost like run its course sometimes yeah and then it's like mommy would really like you to pick up your Play-Doh. You know, like those kinds of things seem to be much more effective with him because you can't yell over him either. Right. So when Janny actually even gets like the tiniest, like lower tone of voice, like yeah. Taylor immediately like perks up and is like, okay, they're being serious. Have yeah. to go do whatever they say I'm doing. But like, but it makes me laugh when she yeah. does because it just happens so rarely. Right. It almost feels out of character. It does. It's yeah. like, whoa, who is that? You know, yeah. so... But That's, we have a lot of family conferences about, like, this is how we're going to discipline and this is yeah. where we think um, the lines are. This is what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Yeah. Well, and, the, and you're at that age where that stuff starts to actually become important. Because when you have, like, a one-year-old or even a two-year-old, it's like, I mean, there isn't, like... Yeah, they don't understand that. Yeah, as much like discipline isn't really like certainly you're you're always like interfacing with them and helping them like learn. But there's very few things that like an 18 month old that you'd be like, now you're in trouble for that, like, <laughs> you know, but then they get to three and it's like, oh, no, you're in trouble for no, that. You're like, really in trouble. Yeah. You know, and like, then they understand yeah. that they're in yeah. trouble. And they, well, it's like it's like that transition from like safety. Yeah. Into because you're just like 18 month old. You're like, don't touch the hot or don't yeah. you know, you could fall. And now it's like, no, mommy asked you not to do that. Don't do yeah. that again. Yeah, the totally. best advice that we saw on a blog, though, was when they do tantrum, let them tantrum a little bit and then say, do you want a hug? Oh, my God. So now he almost expects one every single at the end of every tantrum. <laughs> goes, and it's the best. Can mommy give a hug? Can mama give a hug? That's what he says at the oh, end of his tantrums. Cute. So that's, we're like, OK, we're doing something right if he's asking. For I will take hugs. as many hugs as you want, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's sort of in line with one of the things that that I've really learned as a as a mom is just that like you put the connection first, you know, and it's really easy to want to like, you know, to, to like, to separate your, your like, you know, to even isolate and by isolate, I don't mean like put them in a closet, but like, you know, you know, whatever that looks like and to, to expect that that will sort of modify the behavior. And I have found that in most cases, like just putting that connection first is going to not only like help with the behavior itself, but then like really, really reinforce the relationship moving forward. Mm, yeah, Yeah. Same here. Yeah, I love being a mom. Today's episode is brought to you by Expectful, a guided meditation and mindfulness app for your fertility, pregnancy, and motherhood journey. And last week on March 5th, we did a special episode with one of the co-founders of Expectful, where we talk about how beneficial meditation is no matter where you're at on the journey. So if you head over to expectful.com slash motherbirth, you can get an exclusive one month free trial for motherbirth listeners. And if you sign up using that link, motherbirth will also receive a small commission. So we thank you so much for your support. Support. If you join this month in March, you can also participate in our 30 Days of Mindfulness where we're going to be sharing our own experiences of exploring meditation. We're going to do check-ins with you. We're going to actually have some live guided meditation and we're going to do Q&As. Um, that's all going to be 
via Facebook Live. So if you head over to the show notes of this episode on the blog or connect with us on Instagram and Facebook, you'll be able to see more details on how you can participate in that. So again, head over to expectful.com slash motherbirth and sign up for your free trial so you can start meditating and participate with us in our 30 days of mindfulness. Carrie, I'm interested to hear a little bit about how uh, your birth went. Yeah. We kind of oh, went past that's going to be my next question. <laughs> birth plan? Oh my gosh. Well, you know, it's funny when you go through this process this way, mm-hmm. you start to realize rather quickly that you don't have any control, even when you think you do, like yeah. even when you're, you're picking your shoes slash sperm. And then, so my pregnancy <laughs> was interesting because uh, Taylor was breached towards the end. So I had to have one of those um, turn him around kind of situations. Yeah, the actual like the doctor manual. Yeah, yep. and he was he was like the version. the breach whisperer at OHSU. <laughs> he was like the guy that does yeah. that. And so I had a, we had an epidural like then. So I was kind of like, well, whatever. That sort of throws the like no drug plan out the window like right from the start. And so we, um, I was thirty five when I was towards the end of the pregnancy with Taylor. Is that yes. right? Thirty five. Oh yeah, because I was advanced. Mat- Eternal age, mm-hmm. AMA. And I yeah. always joke that like whenever we were on the floor, like when we were about to have um, Taylor, they were like, we have an AMA coming on uh, floor 14. Like, yeah. like, like the police. Okay. <laughs> and Brian needs some extra. Needs some backup. She's old. Some backup. <laughs> She's got a case of OLD. Um, so they, um, they like. So I was classified that way, and our OBGYN is a friend of ours, um, and she's just an incredible, again, like a leader in her field. And she's like, look, you are two weeks late with Taylor, um, and, you know, like that's around where like the birth date, you know, it's always like a little squishy, like it's not totally accurate. So the more Oh, t- you were two weeks overdue. I was two weeks yeah. overdue. Okay. And so they started to kind of like intimate towards me like you could induce, like right. if you want to. It's not required. You don't have to. It's a choice. Like OHSU is all about like choice, choice, Mm -hmm. choice, choice, choice. And they're all about natural birth. Like we did the birth class and they beat it into me. Mm. Like less interventions, natural birth, like, you know, and to the point where I felt very pressured to have a natural birth. Like, and I was kind of like, it might even have been negative almost how Mm -hmm. much they tried to make that a priority. And so in any case, I was open. I didn't really have, I said to Janie, I'm like, no birth plan. Don't, I don't. I kind of don't care either way. Um, I'm I'm obviously wanting it to be less invasive um, mm-hmm. if possible. Um, and so we w- walked onto the the floor when we had decided to induce because I was just getting later and later. It felt like, and I had the um, the pup's skin rash. Ugh, that was the Have worst. you heard of this? Oh, it's horrible. Uh, file that under things they don't tell you. Right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it was horrible. It was really Laura. Have you had it? It was. I haven't had it, but I I am um, in mid, I'm in mid, mid Okay, so you've school, seen it. So. It's um. Yeah, I've seen it. it. There's nothing really bad about it except that it is um. It's like the most horrible skin rash you can ever have in your life, and it covers the majority of your body. Mm. And they're like little um bumps, just like everywhere, and they itch like like poison oak itch kind of stuff. Wow. Yeah, women will like scratch themselves raw. Yeah. Because oh. yeah, it. And I was like, like in their sleep because they can't control. And it. it starts to like wear on you, you know, because you don't mm-hmm. sleep and you're just itching all the time and you can't think about anything else. So I, was, I think I in, we I wanted to induce based on that rash mostly because yeah. I was like, let's just do this. Like I'm losing my mind. And so we we walk on the floor and they're like, what's your birth plan? I'm like, so my birth get plan the baby out. is get the baby out. <laughs> and if I can do it vaginally, great. If I can't, then whatever. We'll do a C-section. Like, that's fine. Yeah. And little did I know that that's exactly what was going to happen. So we induced, and I went through all the wonderful inducement 
mechanisms. So yeah. they did the, um, I forget, it was like an M name. I want to say like mitochondria, but that's not the right name. Mesoprostol. Mesoprostol. They did that, yeah. And that mitochondria. Didn't, that didn't work. Mitochondria. Midichlorian, right. I believe. <laughs> it's like cell splitting is different. Um, they did that. That didn't work. I had like a catheter all night one night. Like every intervention like, eventually. Like I went from no interventions to like all the interventions, yeah. like rather quickly. And, you know, looking back on it, I, my only criticism of the, the team was that I wish they had explained to me that it, with inducing – you will then have all this, of, you're not going to have a natural sort birth. of cascade of most yeah. likely. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe some women are strong that they're going to like do it with Pitocin and call it a day or whatever, but that's, it's that's very, hard. very difficult to do. Yeah. Very, very difficult. So like for two days, right? Two days. And Taylor does not want to come out. Like Taylor was happy <laughs> in there. He was well fed. He had a humongous <laughs> swimming pool. He made, he made the womb so big and filled with fluid that when they actually broke my waters, they were like, oh, God, like, like, <laughs> like you could hear the doctors be like, oh, that's a lot of water. That's a lot of fluid. I'm like, cool. <laughs> like, that's not weird. And so it just took uh, forever. And I went through what was it like five hours of active labor, five hours of active, labor. like pushing, pushing, pushing. Was, you could see his head. They brought the, oh. mirror, they brought the mirror out. And then it just, he just was stuck. Like he just wouldn't get out from under my pelvic bone. And so finally I was just too tired. It had been yeah. two days, like the end of two days. I was throwing up. I had asked for Coca-Cola, random. <laughs> like, and they're not supposed to let you drink anything, but they just felt bad for me. And yeah. I mean, I drank it. I threw it right back up anyway. It didn't matter. Yeah. And they, I just was like at the end, they, they just knew that I was at the end of my rope. And so they did a C-section because yeah. it was just like, that was that. And, and when I saw Taylor come out, this massive, long baby. I was like, oh, good. That's fine. Yeah. Like, I, I did what I could. Well, yeah. He <laughs> so. didn't even want to come out. I saw that she had to, like, shake as yeah. she's trying to yank him, out, him out of yeah. her. And then he came, and uh, we were so worried about, um, like, breastfeeding and connection, obviously, and all this stuff. And so I look at this little being, you know, because they're all scraggly and, like, like, like nasty wow. almost. Like, not, yeah. not even, like, the cute pink baby that you're expecting. They're just, like, a little animal. Yeah. And he looks at me, and he <laughs> latches himself to my boob like a little, like, like a ferret or something. Like, a, you know. So, like, there was oh no question that that was going to happen. Right. And I then, am going to breastfeed. Like, you mother. just, like, you know, like, when your dog is just, like, hungry, you know, yeah. like that. And so he latched. I'm like, oh, thank God. Like, you know, because I'm like, I'm like shaking and the adrenaline is going out of me. And, you know, I'm just twitching like on the table. And the doctor is like, don't worry, I'm sewing you up for VBAC. Like, you'll you'll be fine next time. And I'm just like, I don't know. OK, great. And I look at Taylor's nose and it is busted, like oh, just man. a massive yeah. gash right down his nose. He still has a scar today. Cause, and the doctors were like, he was literally stuck under your pelvic bone. Like Aww. he just would not his poor little face wouldn't like smash oh. the right way to get out. So, oh my so then I like, like the guilt of like not being able to push him out, like lessened a little bit. Mm-hmm. But again, I think as you guys all know, birth is um, rough in the sense that if it doesn't go the way that you kind of wanted it to, even if you're as like open quote unquote, as I was, um, we were, um, it, you do have guilt sure. afterwards. Like There's, you, you always wonder if you could have done it, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so there was that in my mind for probably a year after Taylor was born, where I just like would be randomly like peeing and be mm-hmm. and just it would flash back and be like, God, I just wish I could have just pushed him out. But but who cares? He's yeah. a wonderfully, you know, healthy boy. So that's yeah. all that matters. Yeah. And you you obviously tried and <laughs> and and what you you know, what you did is you 
you re- you responded to you know what was you happening. Your, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You and your care team like recognized that like, hey, we've tried everything in the books. Like, it's not like you, you know, it's not like you weren't weren't trying. Right. You know, it's not like and, it was a scheduled C. You yeah. know, like something yeah. where I was just like, I don't feel like dealing with this. You know, or whatever. But yeah, I just it was you could see his red hair. Like Aww. it was Aww. it was that that yeah. was like the most heartbreaking part. Was like remember the mirror? They're like, once you have the mirror, you'll be motivated. You know, and I'm yeah. like, I'm motivated. Yeah. You know, that's not the question. <laughs> yeah. And Janie had to like, man, I mean, you did everything but like gymnastics to try to get, help me get it out. Oh so yeah, what was too. it like for you being there during her labor? I mean, it was just freaky. Like you can't do anything to help her. She mm-hmm. kind of has to do most of it on her own. And you're just there to support and go get the Coca-Cola and the ice and the water yeah. and whatever you need. And, and just stare at the mirror with her and just be like, oh my yeah. God, that there's the head. This is crazy. And this yeah. is awesome. And, you know, for me, like not having the birth process I was just excited to have a kid Mm -hmm. like here's our baby this is the start of our family I mean we were already a family together yes but just to have a child and just it was so magical and awesome and overwhelming and I think one of our my dad our dad friends put it best um when he was leaving with his kid so we just leave now (laughs) with with this that's it. I know, I know. And, and that that is kind of the feeling. You're yeah. like, oh my god, I'm going to put this little baby who totally doesn't even fit in oh, the know, baby in the carriage seat. in the car seat. Like yeah. even though you got the right one and all the extra like bells and whistles, but like oh my god, you're just yeah, you're just so excited. And and I was just worried for her um, during the whole process, and I was almost relieved that she wanted a C-section finally because I'm just like we need to get this baby out. You it's are just yeah. in pain. It felt like a long time too at that it point. It was so long. For sure. Yeah. So yeah. long. And it's- the recovery out of a C-section I was really worried about, but that's that was silly. You know, yeah. I was really worried about because I was worried about going to feast. Oh my god, can you imagine? <laughs> I was so worried dumb. about being able to be at the festival and <laughs> like just these things that in hindsight just don't matter, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's true that it is a difficult recovery, but it is a a recovery that women are totally capable of and do all the time and also you have to once you've gone down that road too because it was the nurses were you know you know how nurses kind of give you the inside track Mm -hmm. and they can see things sometimes that the doctors don't because sometimes they're with you yeah yeah and they are like holding your hand and wiping Mm -hmm. your sweat and all that stuff and so the nurses would come in and they'd be like what is your pain you mean poop right they're wiping your poop oh my god for real okay for real (laughs) that definitely happened the hemorrhoids Hemorrhoids. oh my god lord Like, there's nothing like knowing that all of that's happening and everyone's seeing it and there's nothing you can do about it. But but then I'm also, like, puking and, like, things are happening that to my body that I'm like, who cares, you know? But after having Taylor in the C-section, the nurses were like, what is your pain level? And I'd be like, I don't know, it's only, like, a one or a two. And they're like, there is no way that your pain level is a one or a two. Like, are you insane? And so they they forced me in a lot of ways to, like, recognize that my pain level was much higher. And they actually really encouraged me to take not a lot of pain medicine but a little because I they're like you have to get back on your feet in order to take care of your child and and listening to that advice I was just like because I always thought pain medicine is bad like try to try to wean yourself off as fast as you possibly can Mm -hmm. but it it really helped me because it helped me get back on my feet faster and then I ended up on like just a massive dose of Advil for a while yeah and and then after you know a couple months you're you're really back on your feet but and you know I have to say I went to a pelvic massage um 
what what is the name of that place? It was Jan? a it was a prenatal or prenatal um, massage natal massage place. And that down woman, on where they do like internal they, massage. Yeah, like she just did regular massage, and all of a sudden she was just like, "Do you do you know pelvic massage like postpartum?" And I was like, "I don't know what you're talking about, but it sounds great." And so she she was like, "I'm gonna try something." She literally, I swear to God, popped my pelvis back into place. Like it, I had wow. never felt anything like it. And that was three or four months after having Taylor. And it, it helped me immensely. So if anybody brings that up to any of your listeners, mm. they should look into it because it really was helpful. Yeah, it would. That was here in Portland. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's we'll an M name, another it. M name that I'm. It's not mitochondria. It's, I have it. I have it at home. Okay, we'll um, get a link. From they're you. wonderful. They're on the Southeast Clinton. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was it Zanana? Yes. Yes. No, it's not an M name. I want it to yeah. be like <laughs> Manana or something like that, which is not the right. Yeah. Was, her, was her name Summer? Oh, maybe. Oh, I don't know. She's fantastic. I can't She's remember. She's at Zanana and she does that kind of stuff. They, so. I, cool. they, I felt like saved my life at that mm. moment because I felt like, you know, when you walk around and you feel like your uterus is falling out of you a little bit, like mm-hmm. they made that not happen anymore. That's great. They yeah. also did acupuncture. Yeah, and I think so yes. many women who end up with the C-section ignore the part where it was like you actually also had labor. Right. You actually also pushed. For five pushed hours. Yeah. And your baby was, you know, in that same space. Most people don't have their baby in that space for five hours. Right. Most people who have vaginal deliveries do it two hours, you know. Right. So it's like I think it's such an important thing to remember, like, recovering yourself from your surgery, of course, like you spoke about, but also kind of addressing that that part of your healing. Like, you still had a baby. You still had that alteration in your pelvis you still have that whole experience Mm -hmm. to really set you up to kind of truly heal in that first year yeah and I did a ton of acupuncture afterwards too which was uh, I can't I'm kind of this like I'm sort of partially in my east coast Connecticut New Yorker (laughs) upbringing which kind of eschews all of this natural stuff Mm -hmm. like it's just kind of like I get maybe I don't know and then now in my seven years into Portland life I'm like acupuncture is the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me (laughs) and so I feel like I ever kind of more shift into a little bit more of like the om namaste realm with everything and but I just feel like holistically if you try different things and they work for you then um, it makes a lot of sense to just keep doing them and I've done acupuncture ever since and it's wonderful yeah yeah, it really is just finding what works for you and, and not to suggest that like, you know, that it doesn't work for summer. Do- you know, I mean, mm-hmm. who, who's to say, but I feel like it's it is kind of it's one of those things where, you know, you find something that works and you you stick with it. Keep going. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's not something like I'm sure there are people on the East Coast who do acupuncture and right. things like that. But <laughs> it's just not where I came from in my yeah. life. So totally. Yeah. Totally. Before I offend all the East Coasters. <laughs> so so you talk about sort of that guilt that you were were really that was really present for those those first few months up to a year or so was there something that that shifted do you feel like it was just kind of the acceptance or maybe maturation of you know your your own mother journey or was there something in your practice or in your thought patterns that actually changed that kind of allowed you to to move past that hmm I, would you say that I had kind of, I, I certainly didn't have postpartum depression or anything like that uh, to that extent, but would, would you say that I had like baby blues for a few months after, off like off and on? I don't know because I wasn't sleeping either cause with, the baby, with the baby, so yeah. I, I kind of, I, I mean, some of it is a yeah. blur, but um, if you were, you I, I didn't notice. I felt that that hormonal shift, mm-hmm. like that was, you know what it was? Do you remember after um, Taylor, when Taylor weaned himself? 
Yes. That's when things really changed for us. Um, and that was something that we didn't know going in that the hormones very much continue after. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had uh, kind of like that wild ride, like coming down, down, down off. And yeah. I, I did feel sad and kind of like that, that sad, lonely feeling um, as that sort of, I guess, was tapering. Um, but while we were breastfeeding, I definitely still um, had my crazy hormone kind of like that up, yeah. up, like, Jenny, why aren't you doing that? And why aren't you doing it faster? You know, yeah. like that kind of feeling. <laughs> and um, and that didn't end until uh, it, it, we breastfed for eight months. Um, and Taylor just like sort of stopped after a while. Like yeah. he was one of those kids that it was heartbreaking for me because I, I wanted to go to a year and I wanted to do all these things. And he was just kind of like, nah. I, I think I'm good with this and I'm going to go to that solid food that you keep giving me and yeah. we're good. Yeah. And then once that happened, I remember you saying that there was a big hormonal shift again. Oh my God. When she stopped breastfeeding, she was almost back to normal, if you want to call it like normal. Like my previous self. But yeah, you just, you were, yeah. it's different. The hormones really change you. Um, even even when she was on Clomid, even this past couple of weeks, like mm. it's, it's intense and nobody tells yeah. you that the hormones don't stop after the baby comes out either. I was like right. kind of excited. I was like, yes, this baby's out. Hormones are gone. It's totally yeah. fine. And then she's breastfeeding and it's not going away. And I'm like, okay, you can do it. You can do it. Well, and every it. woman is so unique. And in like, fact, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Laura. In fact, some people it's stronger. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah I've I had plenty of friends that it was actually when they became postpartum was it was because it can be more erratic yep. mm-hmm. because it really is your body self-regulating and like, I mean, again, a horrible, horrible, great word, like decontaminating. You're basically sure. like flushing things out, yeah. literally yeah. trying to restore any kind of homeostasis. And I've had a lot of friends that were like, I thought pregnancy was hard. And then I literally cry for hours a day. And they're like, I don't, I'm not depressed. Like I, all the scales say that I'm not depressed, but I can't, I, if I'm happy, I'm crying. If I'm sad, I'm crying. If I'm hungry, I'm crying. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you know, right or there. I'm sweating yeah. or I'm barfing or. <laughs> it turns know. everything up to, yeah. to 11. Yeah. yeah you're oh, so sad. Yeah. And so I, I think like that shift after the eight months, so somewhere around like nine to 10 months, um, that's when I started to feel like myself again too. Like mm-hmm. I, I felt it happen. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's when a lot of the guilt and the worry and the insecurity, cause that's the other thing about the hormones. My sister did two IVFs, um, both successful. Actually, she did, I think she did three or four, but two of them were successful. Yeah. And she said to me, she's like, you cannot let the hormones get to you in that place of like insecurity right. because they will tell you that you're not good enough and they will tell you that it's not going to happen. And they'll tell you yeah. that you're a bad person or whatever it is. And you can't let them get to you. And and I think that's a lot of what I was feeling like towards the end of that time and maybe like towards the first, the, his first year mm-hmm. where, um, I, you know, you think you're doing it wrong, like right. pretty much at every turn. Um, and then there, there was still that lingering doubt about the birth. And yeah. I would say when he turned one and he was like good and strong and healthy and then all of those other things were kind of gone, I would say that that's when I stopped thinking about the birth so much. Yeah. I also have a wonderful wife who I get to talk about <laughs> the gory details with like whenever I want. Like, Right. I could say to her, like, gee, do you remember that, like, catheter that they stuck in my vagina? That was crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and that's just something I can just say. Whereas I would I would venture that there are some women that can't do that yeah, as they, freely. They, they're, yeah, their partners may not be as as open or interested or maybe yeah. weren't as observant during the process. Right. Or, you know, there could be a number of different factors. So, yeah. I, Jenny, Jenny, like, everything in my life has helped me 
vocalize and get through because I'm obviously a talker. I can't shut up. And um, and the more I can just say those things out loud, then I can kind of put them aside. Yeah. yeah. I think that is probably one of the benefits of being a lesbian because I'm a woman. I'm She's going to treat me differently. If I were a man, I think it would be completely different. Mm-hmm. Well, I dated only men before you and it is different. <laughs> that is totally true because <laughs> I would never like the things, the bodily functions and things that happened in front of you. I would never allow that to happen in front of a man. I just wouldn't, you yeah. know. I still have like yeah. society things about that, you know. Sure. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. So Jenny, what was the postpartum period like for you? What what were those first few months like? I'm curious how you guys balance things like feeding. You know, I know you were breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Were there ways that you were involved in that? You know, how did how did that transition look like for you? Yeah, Taylor was actually jaundice, mm-hmm. so she had to start pumping immediately. And so I was so excited. We were still at the hospital, and I yeah. got to feed him out of, like, a tiny little syringe, just, like, little drops of her milk. So that yeah. was kind of really special, and I kind of feel lucky that yeah. I almost, like, kind of happy he ended up having yeah. being jaundice. We so but scared. at the same time, was it was, so like, yellow. so scary. He was so yellow. Oh. Yeah. Um, and then after, so she just kept pumping and and I was able to share the responsibilities. Um, at nighttime, you know, mostly it was Carrie, but basically she would feed him and then I would let her go back to sleep and I would basically be watching uh, reruns of Frasier and bouncing on a yoga ball. Yeah. So yeah. it was just, it's it was really special. I wouldn't trade anything for the world. It was yeah. just all night, sleepless nights. And then I took two weeks off and basically was working all day, yeah. all night kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. We were lucky that Taylor slept through the yes. night. Oh, my, oh my God. We were like those annoying parents where he, from the beginning, <laughs> did like an eight-hour stretch. Wow. That's and great. then he did the sleep regression at like four or five months. Mm-hmm. And we did that. We did cry it out. And it was the most, I think that was still the hard, one of the hardest things that we've ever had to do. <laughs> Yeah. Like harder, that, harder than birth. I mean, that is comparable to birth because <laughs> it goes against all of your natural instincts to, you know, like make him stop crying, you know, and mm-hmm. then you're like letting him cry and all these things. And but we did two days of it. And then he was a wonderfully sleep trained child. And so it's obviously a personal choice yeah. from family to family. But we um, Janie, Janie and I both grew up in like kind of like the um, more, I don't know, traditional kind of like views on those things like our parents are both like what's cry it out that's just what you do you know like they're not my mom's like I can't believe you guys like named this no like special method (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. we're like children of the 70s 80s you know how that goes and so uh so Janie put Taylor in his crib when he was three months old and that was that you know we didn't we didn't even really think about like co-sleeping and things Mm -hmm. um in any real way for us so it just worked then the, the sleep training kind of like went in tandem with that. Yeah. Um, and Taylor is a wonderful sleeper. I mean, for the most part, like we've been really like we almost are freaked out sometimes where we're just like, is he sleeping? Is he? He's like, OK, well, there's another 10 hour, 11 hour stretch where he just kept increasing his amount of time. And he's like that. I don't know if everyone else has a, a kid who's like this, but um, he needs sleep. Like yeah. he likes to sleep. It's yeah. not like the, he doesn't fight us. He doesn't. He's aware of it. He's aware. Mm-hmm. Of, it's not like a negative association for him. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. he loves his bed. He would lay in that bed all day long if we yeah. let him. So it's almost like yeah. the reverse. <laughs> My daughter is very similar and, and, you know, we had a really similar ex- experience and, and did very similar thing with her when she was, yeah. you know, when she was younger and, um, she is such a great sleeper. She loves to sleep. She knows when she's ready to sleep. Like, you know, I, I'll take her up to for nap time and I'll be, you know, singing to her and like 
walking around the room and she's just like, um, this is taking too long. Me, <laughs> me in my crib. I just, I just want to go to sleep. <laughs> One time, Janie's parents were watching him. They live in Las Vegas and we went out to eat. Like they volunteered to babysit. Do you remember what yes. happened with your mom? She couldn't believe her eyes. He basically just started walking upstairs and my mom followed him. And then he crawled into his little toddler sleeping bag and he just went to sleep, and she was just sitting there, like, <laughs> going to believe what? it. I'm, I'm not, like, don't I have to read you 11 yeah, stories? And yeah. Like, aren't like, you going to call me He didn't even want to eat dinner. He was just so exhausted <laughs> from, like, having all day fun and yeah. just passed out. He's like, oh, mom and mommy's not here. Yeah. So. And we came back, and she was just like, do you know what happened with your son? I'm like, oh, God, what did he do? And she's like, he just put himself to sleep. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> so. Yeah. Great. My sister and her kids, um, they don't have the same same method and like you know I think she would I mean with her first Gracie like they were up all night all the time just trying to Gracie fought sleep like she really did yeah and some babies just do that's the thing it's like there's so much there's so much that is temperament and you know certainly like how how we approach sleep makes a big difference too but I think some kids are just they're just wired differently like my my first son I mean we last night we literally um, my son is eight and a half and my daughter is nine months old. And we made the joke last night. We're like, our daughter slept through the night before our son, as in like <laughs> before our son right at, in concurrent timelines. <laughs> like our eight-year-old does awesome. not sleep through the night. Oh, he like goes to sleep last night. We're watching Stranger Things. He like hollers for us like, you know, <laughs> oh my God, that's so like funny. an hour, an hour after he goes to bed. And we're like, what? <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's just just it's, crazy. I know. Oh you just never know. So yeah. I'm, I'm sure we'll, if we do yeah. have a second, I'm sure we will be punished with probably. a child. <laughs> probably. Probably. It's usually how it works, right? You're but, like, oh, I, I, get, I got this. I'm, I'm ready to have a second. Yeah, no. Then you have a second in your mind. And they're completely, completely different. They are, my kids could not be more different. Mm, they yeah. could not. I mean, it's it's like they're from different planets. There's no there's no <laughs> resemblance to the the experience and that's from the same genetic pool yeah. like ours yeah. i'm like we don't know you don't like, even it's know. Gonna be a yeah. totally different donor this time so yeah yeah it'll be but i again i'll take it like i'll take mm-hmm. whatever however hard it would be I, it's just so incredibly worth it we love being moms so much that we any of our friends who have kids we're just like what people don't express to you enough is how much fun it is yeah. and how rewarding at every turn every smile every laugh every high five is so rewarding because you did yeah. that, you know, yeah. and I, I, there's nothing that is more important to me. Yeah. Can you me tell? Too. <laughs> Same. What she said. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's been quite a ride though. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's always, it, it's always a ride. Mm. Yeah. You guys have, you know, dealt with a few extra challenges for sure, but. You yeah. know, and we're lucky to live here where people are incredibly supportive and, mm-hmm. and for the most part we have received nothing but, um, kind of just the the normal treatment that parents mm-hmm. would have. Yeah. Um, nobody really, the schools don't seem to care at all. And, you know, that sort of like two moms, two dads thing is pretty common. So yeah. um, we had the at Taylor's preschool, the, what was it? The, the precocious oh God, the young girl. girl. Yeah. She, she asked you a question. Are you Taylor's daddy? And this is right after I got my haircut. Um, mm-hmm. It's super short, like, like a boy's. Um, and she was like, are you Taylor's daddy? And I'm like, no, I'm Taylor's mama. I know I look like a boy and it's confusing, but I'm a girl. <laughs> <laughs> and then apparently I found out um, 
the parent of her. I was like, hey, this happened. Ha, ha, ha. This is hilarious. She's like, oh, that's so funny. She came home the other day and was like, I want to get my hair cut. Mm -hmm. So it was really sweet. She's watching you. Yeah, she's totally watching me. (laughs) Yeah. But it's sweet. They all are, even the kids are like, oh, Taylor has two mommies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's it's whatever your normal is, Mm -hmm. you know, like that's... That's what they, that's, yeah. And, and as there are, you know, more diverse um, representations of families and of, of motherhood and all of that in, in our society, I think that it is increasingly normal for kids, even who don't come from a same sex couple, like my son, he has friends who, you know, who have two moms or two dads. And I mean, he has had questions and it is like their, their conversations that we have had, but it's not like, it's not like this obstacle. It's not like right. he can't get, it's, you know, he, we just have a conversation about it. He's like, oh, okay, yeah. Thomas has two moms. Like, cool. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds pretty awesome. He must get a lot of snuggles. <laughs> <laughs> every morning and every night. <laughs> I know it's funny that Taylor was asking the other day about uh, two daddies. Wait, but wait, there are kids who have two daddies? Like what? Because to him, daddies are a little bit of like a mythical figure, like yeah. kind of like unicorns, you know, yeah. they just kind of pass through your life sometimes and they're really neat and then they go away and that's fine. Yeah. But he uh, he was just like fascinated, like two mommies, two daddies. And then we would give examples of like friends of ours who have like one mom and one dad, because yeah. then all of a sudden that became like kind of different too for him. Yeah. But we totally. just, we try to do a lot of like books that have representation of all different types of families because that just seems like the right way to go you know because that's life that is life yeah absolutely yeah and you're and you're opening you're opening that for him so that he can he can understand that spectrum the main goal right now in today's society is to raise a sensitive wonderful strong man like Mm. that's what the world needs so obviously to me and i'm just like if we can make him an empathetic intelligent kind person then that's my priority i'm not so worried about the gay stuff yeah what yeah. she said right now. <laughs> I'm sure I will be as he gets older, but <laughs> there'll be other stuff you'll be yeah. talking about later. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely a really, really fantastic foundation. Mm. Yeah, it's fun. Well, thank you, ladies, so much oh, for gosh. sharing your story with us. It's yes. been really Thanks fun to us. hear to hear the behind the scenes. We could talk about this all day. Obviously, yeah, we probably yeah. could. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we so, do. So could we. <laughs> you do too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, great. Awesome. awesome. Well, thanks. We will um, we will look forward to sharing some of the links to to your guys' projects and the stuff you work on. And um, you know, people are going to love this episode. So. Cool. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Yeah, so, yeah. so nice to meet you guys. You nice too, to Laura. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mother Birth today. If you want to be a bigger part of our community, you can follow us on Instagram at motherbirth.co or connect with us on Facebook, where we have all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff going on. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show and rate us in iTunes, which allows other people to find us and helps the show to grow. I think it goes without saying, but Mother Breast is a personal podcast created by Laura and Melissa. It's intended as general information. It doesn't constitute or substitute medical advice of any kind. You should always consult with your primary care provider with respect to your medical care if you're pregnant, planning on becoming pregnant, or in the postpartum period.